Now today, I want to talk to you uh, about a, and I want to try to deal with a question that maybe you have asked, in fact, I'm going to say most of you have asked this question, and you've been around people that have asked this question. It is a good question. It is a thought-provoking question. It is a question that our Lord knew was coming, so he prepared to answer the question, though a lot of times we know the question, we just don't know the answer. And so today, I'm entitling the message, Are Lost People Really Lost? Or what we're talking about here in a spiritual sense, how many of you have ever wondered what happens when a person dies somewhere on the planet and not one time have they ever heard the name of Jesus? What happens to them? Is what happens to them different than what happens to those that have heard the name? Now, that's a good question. It is a question that deserves some time, especially every Christmas. What is the responsibility of a believer who has received an eternal gift, a gift that can be shared with the entire world? What happens to that person that doesn't share that gift and then what happened to the per- people that don't receive the gift because no one shared it? I think another way that some folks ask the question is, is Jesus, on the, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Or is there another way to heaven? Uh, another question, is God a just God? Another question, is God a fair God? Now, those of you that have been around Sagemont for a few years hear me say this many, many, many times. God is too good to commit a wrong. He's too wise to make a mistake. I also remind myself and others, his ways are a lot higher than my ways and your ways. That's the scripture tells us that. And God is God and we're not. God says, your wisdom is foolishness to me. Pretty strong statement. But it's true. The wisest thought I've ever had, or the most brilliant thought I've ever had, is nothing to God. It is very hard for us to communicate with God on an intellectual level. Because he's not impressed. So the question is, are lost people really lost? Now, now, my opinion doesn't make one bit of difference. Your opinion doesn't make one bit of difference. But the Scripture deals with a lot of things that we have opinions on. And, again, those opinions get us nothing. My opinion plus $2 might get me a cup of coffee at a low-class uh, restaurant that still have $2 coffee, you know, But uh, I want you to think with me today. I want you to think at this season of the year, as we think about the greatest story ever told, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, if it's really a great story, why don't we get it to, to everybody? And I want you to think with the heart and the mind that God has given you. Would God let a person go to hell 
Because he had not believed in the name of Jesus, even though he never heard it. That is a strong question. I think you would agree with that. Now, let me tell you this. Most people, if you're one of those that never say anything, you find out what everybody else believes, and then you have your opinion, and you certainly want to be on the team that gets the most votes. Uh, let me just say to you that most people in the world believe that as long as a person is sincere about what they believe, that that will, be, that will satisfy the creator of the universe and will provide a way for them to enter into heaven because they were sincere. Let me offer to you the thought that you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. Let me offer up to myself and you that God's ways are higher than my ways and I can be as sincere as sincere can be and be wrong. And so we don't want to base our opinions on what everybody else believes. We don't want to base it on the fact that we are convinced, we are sincerely convinced that we're right when there's another alternative. For God so loved the, the world, not the city. He loved the world. That he did what? He sent his only son to the city, to me, to the world. The gift was for the world. Everybody in the world. Now I want you to keep this in mind. That some of the darkest places on earth now, as far as the gospel is concerned, we're in the areas that right now, are, are where, where the gospel came, are some of the darkest areas of the world. The Middle East. Egypt. Places where we call it the Holy Land. But that's where the gospel came, and then it came to America. See, we think it all originated here. For God to love the world, he sent uh, his only begotten son to the United States of America in Houston, Texas, St. Joseph Hospital, in January of 1900, none of your business. <laughs> That's the way man thinks. We feel like that our world is either this big around or that big around or maybe out there because we're dreamers. But God loved the world. And I want to try to show you in Scripture how, and you'll have to come to your own conclusion, but you need to see the evidence from the Scripture as to what is the real answer to that question. So, listen, please, very, very, very careful. Now, again, I want to say to you, most people in the world believe if you're sincere, it's okay. And if you like to be with the majority, then you, that was the position you'll take. People aren't responsible if they haven't heard. That's what most people believe. Now, you can choose that, but I want to caution you to not go to sleep yet. Let me finish my brief message. And I want to say to you, and I've said this many times from this pulpit, Jesus is the only way to heaven, or he's none of the ways to heaven. Now, you've got to make up your mind one way or another, because Jesus, John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus said that. If Jesus said that, and it's not truth, there have been a lot of people condemned. And they're following a God that does not tell the truth. Acts 
Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Pretty strong. So let me try to put this together very, very quickly. Number one thing I want you to think about with me this morning is I want to offer to to the world and to you and to me that God made himself known to the world through creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the way the book starts. In the beginning, God created the whole earth. All planets, all the oceans, all of the islands, all of the planets. The Bible opens up. Beginning what will be written over a 3,000 year period of time. That God created the heavens and the earth. Now listen to this incredible scripture from the first chapter of Romans verses 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because, now listen to this, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without an excuse. Now, here's what that says. God says, I have made to people on every planet in every generation myself known. And the heavens declare the glory of God. And I don't care where you go on the planet, if you look up, you will see the heavens declare the glory of God. And the darker the night, the more evidence you will see that God has created an incredible incredible universe. And so as we take that moment from looking up here, you can go to the smallest, even microscopic things that were created. Now, if you like the outdoors, if you've been in the country, if you're not any more outdoors than an outdoor picnic, you'll know that ants have a brain. They know what they will eat and what they won't eat. They eat a lot of different things. Ticks know what they can bite and can't bite. A red bug knows when he gets on the end of your big toe where the best place to crawl to before he decides that he'll spend eternity there. Those things that are microscopic think they are created in an incredible way. Every flower, every bird, every tree, everything. It's awesome. It goes so far beyond anything that science has ever come up with as to what an awesome universe and his creation that is there. People know there's a God. You will go nowhere on the planet where people don't believe in God. Now, they may worship an alligator. They may worship a cow in India. They worship the moon. They worship the sun. They worship the trees. They worship the rivers. They worship all kinds of stuff. Why? They believe there's a God. 
But you see, the Bible says, yes, there is a God in the beginning, but the word God became flesh and he dwelt among men. He came in that part of the world that's so dark now. Again, I want to emphasize that. And I'll show you in a minute what happened. But God has made himself known through all creation. Then he put in the heart of all men a consciousness that there is a God and a desire to know that God. And that's where all the different forms of worship come from. And so people began to think about, all right, I know that there's God, there's got to be, so how can I know him? Now let me give you a scripture out of Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. You remember the Gentiles and the Jews, and God came to the Jews. The Gentiles were kind of left out for a long time. Well, let's pick that story up. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are law unto themselves. In other words, they picked up from the Jews that something was wrong with them. The Jews had the written law, but their, their consciousness, their conscience, began to bear witness that they too could determine some right from wrongs. And so they began to do those things that were written for the Jews, but they became a law unto themselves. To complete that scripture in verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. You see from the scripture, the Bible tells us that God has made himself so evident. The Jews got the written word, the Ten Commandments. Then the Gentiles, Paul comes along, he takes the gospel over to the Gentiles. They knew there was something they were missing. Folks, there are people in the world right now that have never heard the gospel that are listening and looking. There's got to be more than what I've experienced. I know there has to be something greater than myself. But here's what happens. When you reject light, you begin to live in greater darkness. Some of the toughest atheists are people that were born and raised in Christian countries. They heard the message, but they couldn't see anybody practicing the message. They heard about God, but where's the evidence? We are the evidence. We're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. But we failed miserably. Civilization has, has, has made some of the most horrendous mistakes. And the people that are looking are confused. Let's go back to Romans 1 again. Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they knew there was a God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Exactly happens today. People look around, they don't see what they're looking for, and they start asking these questions. Well, I just don't understand how God could do this and this and this. Why would he let people suffer? Why would he allow that if he's really God? I don't know, because I'm not God. I'll know one day, and I'll say, oh. Goodness, I wish I'd have thought of that. I wouldn't have been so confused. But you know what I decided a long time ago? I'm just going to trust him. Only trust him, only trust him. He'll save you if you'll only trust him. 
One day we'll understand it better by and by. But one thing I know, once I was blind, but now I can see. That's the way people answer in the Bible. One day I was in darkness, now I'm walking in the light. One day I was miserable. The next day, joy filled my heart. This morning already, this is the fun of coming to church and getting the believers together. Especially they'll share one with another the week and what's happened. I told you last week again, I already got hit for Christmas. So my, my car's been broken in. My stuff's been gone. So somebody have a Merry Christmas. So I'm through. I'm, I'm finished. That's, that's uh, good. But let me tell you what happened today. I came in. I met a man right over here in the hallway. He was baptized last Sunday a week ago. This young man, he just almost got, he, he almost, almost walks like this. He is so happy. And he said, Pastor, come here just a minute. He said, could I just uh, talk with you? And so I came over. I said, I just got a couple of minutes. He said, it won't take me long. He said, you know when I got baptized two weeks ago? He said, I started down in the baptistry, and I got about halfway down. And I thought, I don't think I want to do this. And he said, I started back up. And he said, something just grabbed me and turned me around and just said he just pushed me down there. And said, I got baptized. And he said, I walked out of there a brand new person. Because I'd been obedient to God for the first time. I was going to turn my back. And I used to do it with no problem whatsoever. But I had one in me that's greater than he is in the world. And turned me down. And he said, I'm just rejoicing in the Lord. And so we just celebrated over here in the communion room. Walked right around here to the divine servant. A beautiful lady came up to me. And she said, Pastor, you got just a minute. I'm going to tell you what happened to me the other day. Said, I was up in the mountains. I had my devotional book. I was just going to worship God in the mountain, but I had all my money in my devotional book. Said I had $1,140 in cash in my book. And I set the book down and left it. $1,140, my Christmas money and my devotional book. But she said, guess what? I just got it sent to me, and the money was still in the book. And whoever found it, they must have read the right devotional because they sent the money back. You know, that kind of stuff only happens at church, folks. I mean, you say, well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now, I haven't got my briefcases back yet, but, you know, some pawn shop will probably have a good time, whatever. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make to you is that when you reject the light, then greater darkness comes. But now, number three, when you respond to the light, God gives you more light. See, the just shall walk by faith. You think the next time that this young man is fixing to do something right and the devil tries to turn him around, you think he'll be a little bit stronger? I guarantee you he will. Because when you have had the Lord turn you out of some, marrying the wrong person, dating the wrong guy, saying the wrong thing, going to the wrong, I don't care what it is, but you said no, no, no. Because when God turns you around, he takes you out of darkness and he turns you into the light. You're on the way to die. He, he puts you into living. Hey, folks, there's a whole lot of heaven on the way to heaven. You understand what I'm saying? There's a whole lot of heaven on the way to heaven. When you see people born again, when you see people's lives change, when you see people that were dead in trespasses and sin come to walk with God. I listened to a preacher this morning that just was sharing his testimony of how, man, the, his, his growing up years was morbid. Jay Louder that was here recently. Those stories are by the millions why? Because God changes a life. But what happens is God puts, comes to live in us, but we don't share the light. So when you respond to the light like this man did, you shall know the doctrine. Acts 10, 1 through 6. There's a story there when God gave Cornelius a vision to go see a man named Simon Peter. He went to see Simon. And he was going to help him grow in his faith. And together, God put a wonderful pair together. 
to do what needed to be done. There's another story about a guy from Ethiopia. He was a eunuch. He was riding through the desert in a chariot reading the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. He was reading a, a glorious prophecy of the coming of Jesus. And in that chariot in Ethiopia, in the desert, he gave his heart to the Lord. God changed his life. And just a few hours later, they passed some water. And he says, here is much water. What hinders me from being baptized? I am ready for my light to shine. So the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they'll see the good works, but they'll glorify the Father, which is in heaven. When you want to stay in darkness, the Bible warns that there can come a day when the light will not come to you anymore. It's called blaspheming the Holy Spirit. In two years, I mean in my lifetime, I've seen two people that I feel like crossed God's deadline. Where they rejected the Lord for the last time. It's called the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is when you won't let the Holy Spirit lead you any longer because the only way you can get to the Son, Jesus, is through the Holy Spirit. That was His choice. God sent His Son, Jesus, so we can know what God is like. Jesus left the Holy Spirit here so we can know what Jesus is like. And when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with your heart and your mind, you realize... I'm just a fool doing what I'm doing. Everybody's taking advantage of me. Every decision I'm making. And you hear a still small voice and says something like, why don't you come in a quiet space, turn off the music, cut off the phone, listen to me, be still and know that I'm God. Let's begin to build a relationship. And then here comes a Christian friend. Here comes something that happens in your life and you see God show up. And the first thing you know, you're thinking, I never experienced like that in anything in my life. But I have a peace it passes all understanding. And little by little by little by little, God begins to show himself. And then when you make that wonderful decision, once I was in darkness, but now I've seen the light, and I'm going to go with Jesus, good, good things begin to happen. It's called a new birth. Well, what's our responsibility? Real quickly in Ezekiel 3.18, when I say unto the wicked, you'll surely die, and you give him not warning, nor you speak to warn the wicked man of his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man will die in his sin, but his blood will I require of you. Church people, born again people, members of the family of God, hear me very carefully. Those people that are out there, they have heard many, many things that are, that are facts in the world. And they've still not heard about Jesus. Why haven't they heard? Because with the internet. Hey, back in years ago, it was camels. You know, there was no way to go by air and all that kind of thing. Now we've got the internet. They know who Michael Jackson was in places you wouldn't believe. Why can't they hear about Jesus? Well, because people won't give to tell people about Jesus, but they'll give the big bucks to buy the things of the world. Our responsibility is, and we put a word with it, missions. It's to get the gospel to the world. Quit trying to be super educated saints and just looking for how many nails there were in the ark. There wasn't any. They were wood, I think. But listen, our goal, I mean, our, our charge is tell the world about me. 
Use, use the money I give you to tell the world about me. What do the, the church-going people that are lost say? Well, the reason I don't go to that church, all they want my money. That's all they want, their money. That's all they want, just my money, money, money. That's all they talk about, money, money, money. No, you're listening in this ear of the world. The church is talking to you about giving, giving, giving. For God to love the world, he gave. I want to give it to you so you can give it to somebody else and learn it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The eyes of the Lord going all over the world trying to find people he can show himself strong to. How, do you, how does God show himself strong? He provides us the power, the love, the grace, the finances, whatever it takes to tell the world that Jesus is alive, that God is real, and God has a plan for their life. In Matthew 28 that I've read to you for four weeks now, the Great Commission Here's what he says when he says, Go to the uttermost part of the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. Make disciples of them. Teach them all the things I'm teaching you. But listen to the last line. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How do we tell people? Not with this. You become living proof of loving God. And the world is watching. The people, the reason people have rejected Jesus in America is because, not that there's not enough churches. The answer is not just planting churches. I'm not against planting churches. That, that's not the answer. The answer is for revival to come to the people that if they're really saved, they start acting like it. That their priorities become the priorities of God. Their thoughts are God's thoughts. Their ways are God's ways because they're greater than man's ways. And they come out from among the crowd and be separate. Not to be indifferent, but to let God speak to you and use you in the way that he wants to use you. So I want you to go home today thinking, Lord, what about me? What about me? What should I do? The scripture says in Ezekiel that if we don't go and we don't tell them, the blood is on our sand. He'll die in his iniquity. But we'll be held accountable. Why didn't you go? Hasn't God blessed us in so many ways? Hasn't God afforded us the opportunity in all of our sin and all of our weaknesses? Has not God blessed us? But Jesus came for one reason. That men without Jesus were lost. And he had to pay for the sin of all people. Somebody had to pay for it. Somebody's got to pay the bill. Jesus came, and he could have called 10,000 angels, but he gave his life and paid for the sins of the world. And all he says to us, you're not the Savior. Don't get people to admire who, what you think. Or who you are in the flesh. But let them stand amazed. In the presence of a person that's born again. And say, wow, what a wonderful change in the life was wrought. I want to know more about Jesus. Our Lord came to inform us. To challenge us. To empower us and then to send us. We're to go or we're to make it possible for others to go. You're hearing all this month, and you will hear it right on up to the Christmas Eve service. I hope everybody will come to that service and have something that they can give to the Lord with every penny of it going, not for us here, but to get the gospel to the world 
that so desperately needs it. The goal is $175 million. Where the people are waiting and they're willing to hear and they're willing to listen. If some will say, I'll go, and those that say, I can't go, but I'll sure make it possible for others to go. And then when they go, and, and maybe you say step number two, I can't even help them go. I'm just totally broke. I don't have any money whatsoever. I don't know if that could ever be a true statement of anyone, but regardless, let's say that it is. If we can't do that, then we're going to pray. We're going to pray. What is God's purpose for us? For you, for me, to the lost world. Forget about them. They had their chance 3,000 years ago. They should take advantage of them. Why should I care? i tell you why you should care. Because God cares. And God cares so much. You ready for the Christmas story? For God so loved the world. Say it with me. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. How are they going to hear? We're going to send them. Oh, who are we going to send? Maybe you. Maybe me. The world is waiting. But more important, there's a Savior waiting. His eyes are going to and fro throughout the whole world, looking for a people whose heart's perfect towards him, that he can put them either praying, serving, or giving, or going. What do you think? Can you find out a place in there that might just fit you perfectly? I close with the scripture of Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? How shall they believe on him and whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach if they not be sent? That's it. Romans chapter 10. Verses 13 through 15. So let's study to show ourselves approved unto God. 2 Timothy 2.15. Let's pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Let's give and let's go. And let's go. And Acts 1.8 says you'll receive power. Wow. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. That's the Christmas story. That's the Christian responsibility. It's not what am I going to get, but what am I going to give. It's not who's going to come see me, but who am I going to go see. Fit yourself in.